0: Anywhere with Jesus, we can safely go. Because He's already there, right? It's always like when you think about going somewhere, uh, Jesus uh, will meet us there. And so, be careful where you take Jesus, right? Be careful where you take Jesus. It's good to see each of you here tonight. I'll tell you something I was thinking of. I thought, you know, this is rare, but it, I mean, it happens every, every Sunday evening and I hadn't thought about it for a while. We've been streaming, but everyone's on the front row, right? <laughs> no one ever sits on the back row. <laughs> That's almost an anomaly, right? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, praise God for you being here in, in attendance. You're on the front row too. So <laughs> thank you for being here. Let's go to God in prayer, please. O great and merciful Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to serve you. And Lord God, we want to be here to worship you. We want to be in your presence. And we thank you for giving us the opportunity to be in your presence. We ask that you will fill us up tonight from your word as you always do. Give us, Lord God, the strength that we need to continue to fight against uh, the schemes of Satan who will be upon us every day. But yet you, Lord God, not only remove the traps, but you protect us and give us the strength to make it through. We thank you, and we praise your holy and divine name. And we ask that you'll help us never to forget Jesus, but to keep our minds focused on you, on your word, your will, and your way. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee. If it be thy will, we pray these things. Amen. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and verse 19 tells us, Not to add or subtract from the Word of God. And perhaps sometimes, uh, preachers feel like God needs a little bit of help. And, uh, you know, brethren, God doesn't need our help. Right? And that's really important. And so, we need to not make, uh, try to make the Word of God say what it doesn't say or spice it up to fit, uh, our our contemporary world that we're living in, or our progressive world that we're living in, it's funny. The world changes and it progresses, and you have progressive generations. But the word of God does not change. And so, as we read the book of Revelation, many have, um, as we've been studying through it, uh, I hope and pray it's, it's been less confusing and uh, and more uh, 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 encouraging. To you as as we read together and, and, and looked into it. And you see the simplicity of God's word is to build us up, strengthen us, and to save us, not to confuse us. For God is not the author of confusion. And so in Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19, God wants us to keep things straight. He says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues which are written in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book, uh, of the prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. So, people have added and taken away. But it's not just this book. The, now in, 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 from Speaking of a contextual idea, it applies only to the book of Revelation. But in principle, this this principle teaching applies to the entire word of God. And I want to grab some scriptures to complement this scripture so we see the entirety of what it is that God is trying to say or speak to us. The Word of God has been tested in so many different ways, hasn't it? Mankind turn to Psalm, please, chapter twelve. Mankind has tested God and tested the word of God and even tested the mind of Christians when it comes to the word of God and through those tests uh, God has prevailed every single time time and time and time again Psalm 12. We don't have to test the word of God. It's already been tested Psalm 12 the verse 6 the Bible says the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace on the earth refined seven times Thou, O Lord, will keep them. Thou will preserve him from this generation forever. So the word of God has been tried. It's been tested, and yet it passes the test over and over again. Psalm 18, beginning at verse 30. Actually, just reading verse 30, it says, As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. And so as we trust in God, trust in the word of God as well. Have you ever been, we're going to Proverbs 30, in a Bible study, and someone said to you, I believe the word of God so far as it's been translated accurately. And then I love to ask the people to show me which one hasn't been translated accurately. Just show me one of those verses. And then the Bible study ends, right? Because they heard it. And they believed it, but they couldn't, they never tested it or they never reviewed or looked into the scripture to see which one of those passages that someone else is speaking of. And the reason is because it isn't there. The Word of God in truth is right before us. The beautiful thing about the Word of God is we not only have the Word of God in the Hebrew language original, but we also have it in the Greek language original. So we can go back and understand and grab the simple truths of the Word of God. We don't have to test it. It's been done for thousands of years, and it's passed the test every single time. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. The Bible says, Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he reprove you, and you be proved a liar. Now, I want to show you how difficult it is. Matthew chapter 5, how difficult it is uh, for mankind to look into this word and say, well, we're going to make sure that God's word is not preserved. Do you realize that if we, let's say I took my Bible, and, and no one else, this is the last Bible on the earth, and I threw it, we burned it in the fire, whatever, right? It's gone. There's enough literature Written about the word of God, do you realize that you can actually put the Bible back together every single verse? It will never go away. Matthew 5 and verse 17. Jesus makes it even more complicating. Listen to what he says. Do not think, do you not, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And so that refers to the Old Testament, and you know it refers to the New Testament. Not one, not one letter or stroke will pass away until God's work is finished. Luke 16 and verse 17. God is all about saving souls. And Satan will never be able to keep us out of heaven if we desire to be with with the Father. Luke 16 and verse 17, Jesus says, But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of the law to fail. Imagine that. It's easier for heaven and earth to pass away? Wow. And I'll tell you why. Psalm 119. Everything that we're reading... That we're discussing that is new to us. These are the words from eternity. Psalm 119 and verse 89, the Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. See, we had nothing to do with it, right? Not only do we have nothing to do with it, we, we don't, we can't sustain it and we can't remove it. Because it's already settled. It's already done. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in thy truth, for thy word is truth. God is full of nothing but the truth. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Turn, please, back to Psalm chapter 19. Perhaps, someone might say, Perhaps God left something out. Maybe that's it. Maybe God forgot. Wrong God. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. James chapter 1. God's Word is pure, right, and perfect. Nothing needs to be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. James 1 and verse 25, the Bible says, But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. The perfect Law, and we can trust God's word, can't we? Turn to Second Timothy, Second Timothy for just a moment, chapter three. We can trust God's word because it's inspired by God. Right? Remember when John, uh, when, when Jesus was talking to the apostles in the Book of John, chapter fourteen, and He said the Holy Spirit will bring the remembrance all that I said to you. It didn't leave it up to them to write. Although the Word of God is written by forty different. Human authors, it's inspired by the one true God. And he guided their pens, so they wrote exactly what God wanted them to write. You can trust the Word of God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. 2 Timothy 3, and verse 16, the Bible says, All scriptures inspired by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The Word of God is inspired and it's profitable. And then in Jude, verse 3, God speaks of the church and He says that He gave the church something. And what He gave them was this, in verse 3, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And so, the Word of God has been given to us granted to us, we are blessed with it, it was given one time, and it's here forever. And we have it. And we can trust it, believe it, live by it. Turn to Isaiah chapter 34. And the beautiful thing is that the Word of God is, is though it's piecemeal together, and what I mean by that is, you have to go into the Old Testament to learn some of the New Testament uh, principles, to, to gain a good, strong understanding of what the Bible actually means when it says certain things that it says. It's like God has revealed it to us, but Israel missed it. And then Jesus came and not only told us, he showed us. He showed us how to live it, and he told us what to do. And yet, all the while, there were the Pharisees, and there were the scribes, and the Herodians, and so many others who were trying to pervert the Word of God and condemn Jesus Christ. But Jesus prevailed all the more, over and over again, especially when He revealed to them what the Bible said in the Old Testament. God's message, holy and true. Isaiah uh, chapter 34, verse 16. Seek from the book of the Lord and read. Now one of these will be missing, none will lack its mate, for his mouth has commanded it, and his spirit has gathered them. I wonder sometimes when I'm speaking to children of God and those in the world, I wonder why it is that some of us have been deceived in believing that God cannot preserve his word. And in believing that God's word does not um, connect from the old to the new. And I'll tell you the the reason that someone might believe such a thing is because they just haven't been reading I received a phone call from uh, the lower forty eight and um you know it's amazing how these new dogmas come out right and and you know the, the new dogma whether you pronounce Jesus' in the name Jesus Yehoshua or Yeshua right? like yeah, if you don't say it right you, you can't go to heaven it's like where I saw we speak in Hebrew. Greek or English, that's all I want to know, right? Did I tell you how to say his name? Right? You, you know, and then, but the argument is, no, 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 but New Testament Christians, we gotta say the word, and this, they're just totally mixed up. And when you start studying that dogma, you find out it's a little bit of, you know, they pick a little bit out of the Old Testament, uh, regarding the law of Moses, a little bit from the patriarchs, a little bit from the New Testament, and put it together and say, here's your doctrine. You can't do that. Right? And so here, here, it's amazing how, how easily Oftentimes we are, are deceived by the schemes of Satan. Please do yourself a favor. Read the whole Bible through. From Genesis to Revelation. And when you read it, read it like you're approaching a mountain. Right? From, from miles away. And, and when you approach the mountain, it just looks like, you know, there's some green stuff, some brown stuff, and some white stuff. And it's not until you get closer to the mountain you start identifying. That the brown stuff is called earth, the green stuff will be trees, uh, and and, and the, the the white stuff will be snow. As you get closer, you realize they're not just trees; they're shrubs and they're brushes, right? And and there's some other plants down there. And then you and you, you start observing the dirt, and you notice that there's there are rocks on that dirt, uh, different types of rock, and etc. And and as you continue on, you you realize that snow is not just snow. You find there there's some there's some glaciers up there as well, some other things, <clears throat> excuse me, on that mountain, and you get to the top, and you realize it's really, it, it's a mountain, but really it's a volcano, and then you start going back down the mountain, and you realize that, wait a minute, this is volcanic rock, <laughs> right, and then you, you learn so much more, but you, and then when you finish, you go back up that mountain again, and you'll learn so much more, and then you'll see all the animals, and then you start going down, and you go back up, and then you'll learn the insects, and you'll learn about I mean, look, the Word of God, the more you read it, the more you learn, and the happier and the more complete you will be in your Christian faith. Turn to Second Peter, please, chapter 3. The Word of God is so amazingly astonishing. When you read it, when you study it, it will do nothing more than grow you up in Christ Jesus our Lord. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything... Pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And some brethren get stuck on that idea that his divine power has granted everything pertaining to life and godliness. We say, well, God hasn't given us everything. Well, you must not have read, right? Every time we read, we keep learning. The older you get, the more you learn. If you just keep reading it and reading it and reading it, because time is necessary to truly understand the Word of God. And not that we understand it all, but time is what grows us. As we read it over and over and over again, once a year, then twice in a year, then three times in a year, four times in a year. Preacher, if I read that many times, I can't watch television. God bless you. (laughs) Amen. Turn to Galatians, please, chapter, chapter four. I'm, I, I don't want to go to verse sixteen yet. That's on our our, um, our screen. I want to read verse fifteen, and I want I wanted to show you how how this the, the book the book is is written in such a way, to where everything's fine and dandy as long as the preacher preaches stuff that makes everybody happy, but when the preacher starts meddling, right, then we got problems. Then folks start getting out, you know, get upset and leave. Right? Look. The Word of God is meant to sting us a little bit, right? God says, I got to hurt you sometimes to help you, to change us, to conform us, to transform our minds. And sometimes you're reading the Bible, you open it up and you look at it and you realize, and, and by the way, when you read it, don't read it like this. Oh, there's Jay Lee. No, don't do that. Read it like this. Oh Lord, what are you trying to tell me about me? That's what I need to know, right? What is God trying to tell me about me? So, When things are going well, verse 15 says, Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. That's the nice Paul. You know, that's when Paul says stuff like, oh, you guys are doing great. The blessings of the Lord upon you. We love you. Man, you guys are wonderful. I just, man, I love you. Hang in there for Christ Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, what's going on? That, then comes verse 16. Have I therefore become your enemy by telling you the truth? And then all of a sudden, that same Paul becomes the enemy because he's speaking the very words of God. When we read the Word of God, never allow the Word of God to become your enemy. Never let the spokesman of God become your enemy. Listen to Jesus as Jesus transforms our minds and helps us to become better people in our relationship to the Lord. In Acts chapter five, they tried to stop the gospel. Right, this isn't something that that is new. They have tried to stop God from the very beginning of time, way back in the patriarchs, and then under the Mosaic law, and even in John's dispensation and in the New Testament or the Christian era, they've tried to stop the Word of God over and over again. They have failed time and time again, and the world will fail forever, and so will Satan. What do we say this morning? We can't lose. It's an impossibility. But put the word of God in your heart and make sure it's there and it stays there. Acts 5 and verse 29, they tried to stop the gospel from being proclaimed. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than men. God must come first. Galatians chapter 1, we must obey God. Even when folks tell you not to upset the uh, the apple cart, even when folks say to you, hey, you know, we've come here to be at peace, let's make peace. If peace means to leave the Word of God out or to, to add to it or subtract from it, there is no peace. There is no peace. We have to proclaim God's Word holy and true, never adding, never subtracting, but only allowing God to feed us exactly what He wants us to know. How serious is that? How serious is this, this thought? Listen to what the apostle said by way of inspiration. Galatians 1 verse 8. But even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him Be accursed. If you're not going to preach, I tell the preachers this. I'm going to tell you this too. Here's what I tell preachers, right? If you're not strong enough to preach the truth, even in the midst of chaos, go work somewhere else. Go do something else, right? Someone said to me, one of the preachers said to me, aren't you afraid of being fired? You can't fire God's preacher. He works for God. (laughs) Right? You preach the truth. Never, never, ever, ever, ever preach false doctrine. If you don't understand a topic, just don't talk about it. Right? Hold on to it until you learn it better through your study and you through prayer and and, and study and diligent study. You have a better and a more accurate and clear understanding of it. But don't ever add to God's Word or subtract from God's Word. You don't do that. Right? Never, ever do that. Don't try to make peace with people by taking away things from God's Word that you think might rub someone the wrong way. Don't you realize that the Word of God, when it rubs you the wrong way, that's where your conversion comes in. That's called repentance. And that's what God wants all of humanity to do. So here's what we've learned. What we've learned uh, throughout the Scriptures, and, and maybe throughout your life, what you've learned is, you give everyone a chance to accept the unadulterated Word of God in spirit and in truth. You tell them the truth and never take away from them the opportunity to come to Christ. And what happens is when we soften the Word of God, right? When you soften it and you, and you try to come at someone in such a way that makes them happy instead of the way Jesus expects it to come. You take away their chance to receive or reject the Word of God. Don't ever do that, right? If someone asks you a question, you know, if someone ever says to you, hey, you know, um, based on uh, what you think about me am I saved or lost, well, you step away and go, wait a minute. I'm not your judge. I'm not your judge. I can't tell you whether you're saved or lost. I can tell you what the Bible says, though. And then we go to the Bible. I remember sitting in a Bible study, and we're we're going to Isaiah chapter 30, I think. Uh, I remember sitting in a Bible study, and uh, a a man was was there, and he he was really upset with me. Uh, In fact, he threatened to shoot me. (laughs) <laughs> in the Bible study, and and I looked at him and I said, "Let me ask." You, he and the reason was he was upset because because let me tell you a story. Let me just give it to you real quick. He said, "I know I'm saved." I said, "Well, praise God for that." I mean, we're in a Bible study. I love, I love the review, and here's some of the scriptures that you would read to teach me how to be saved. What what scripture would you? He said, "I don't have any Bible for it." I said, "Okay, all right. well, 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 tell me what makes." you think, or believe that you're saved. I want to know. He says, well, you know, I was riding a motorcycle. And riding a motorcycle, um, I crashed. And I, you know, and I survived. And I was like, man, thank you. I'm so happy for that. And then I got up, got it fixed. I rode my motorcycle again. And I crashed. And I was in a really bad crash accident at that time. And I survived. I survived. I was like, yes. And then we fixed the motorcycle. And I crashed again. And I said, if God saved me three times, I know I'm saved. And I said, um, well, praise God for that. I said, I'm, I'm I'm happy that, you know, that's that's in your mind. Do you mind if we take just a moment to look at the word of God? And I would like to give you the opportunity first. I'll help you find the scriptures. Let's find the scripture that says, the way a man is saved. Is because, uh, by his his soul's sake, is because there was some incident in his life that happened three times. And that means he's saved. Can we find that? If we can't find that, maybe we could find a motorcycle accident or maybe a car accident or, or a horse accident or something, right? He said, well, that's not, that's not in the Bible. And I said, well, why would you think you're saved by the living God if you can't, if you can't find anything in the Bible that says you're saved? And he says, so are you saying that I'm lost? And I said, well, you just said that. Because we can't find it in the Word of God. And based on the fact that we cannot find it in the Word of God, yes, I would say that God would say, yes, sir, you're lost. And then he said to me, don't you ever tell me that I'm lost in front of my wife or that I'm wrong in front of my wife. And I said, that's funny. You would prefer me to lie to you in front of your wife than to be honorable and tell you the truth in front of your wife? I said, that's kind of interesting. interesting. And anyway, the story went on. But uh, look, don't don't take away people's opportunity to, to receive the gospel. He rejected the gospel. He refused the message of God. Though we read it in the scriptures, clearly he refused to accept the word of God. And that's not different. It's not unique that that happened in that man's home. Because it happened over and over again throughout the word of God. I just want to give you three scriptures uh, regarding that really quickly, and then we'll begin to wrap this lesson up. Isaiah chapter 30, beginning at verse 9. For this is a rebellious people, false sons. Sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, you must not see visions. And to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Can you imagine the preachers of the congregation come to you and say, Hey, don't preach us the Word of God anymore. Tell us some stories and make us happy. Tickle our hearts a little bit. We'd love that so much more. Preacher, when that happens, you step aside and go do something else. They didn't want to hear the truth. Jeremiah, please. Jeremiah chapter 6. They didn't want to hear the truth anymore. They got tired of the old gospel. The old gospel. The old gospel. There's no new message, brethren. This is it. This is it. Jeremiah 6 in verse 16. The Bible says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the way, ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I said, watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. Let me tell you, if they don't want to listen to God, preacher, don't be offended when they don't want to listen to you. <laughs> because you're not God. right? Take the word of God and preach it in its truth. And let the chips fall what they do. That's what our jobs are as Christians. We are we are to tell God's Word to a lost and dying world and give them the opportunity to receive it or to reject it, never to water it down to make everybody happy, right? And part of that is, like we say, you know, everybody's a Christian. No, everyone's not a Christian. Right? Everyone's not a Christian. There's only one way to become a Christian. You have to surrender to God, hearing His Word, believing His Word, Being willing to repent, have godly sorrow in your heart. Confessing his name, being baptized, immersed in water. That's how you become a Christian. There is no other way. And how many of us have fallen away from that understanding of the truth? Because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. How else are they going to learn the truth if we don't take the message of God to them? How can they hear when there's not a preacher? Romans chapter 10. Jeremiah 44, verse 16. Jeremiah 44 and verse 16. Listen to what the Bible says. Again, give them a chance to refuse the Word of God. As for the message that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we're not going to listen to you. So they're saying to Jeremiah, we don't care what Jesus said. We don't care what God has to say. We're not going to listen to you. Okay, well, they don't have to listen. But as a preacher, as a Christian, you have a responsibility to tell the truth, the whole truth, And nothing but the truth. And that's it. Right? It's not, you know, um, thus saith the Lord. What is it? I believe it. Um, How's that go? Someone, um, uh, anyway, no one, I don't know. I'll think about that in a minute. Uh, Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. It doesn't matter if we believe the truth or not. The truth is always the truth. Right? So listen to what he said. God said, I testify, verse 18, to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues which are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words, the prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Church, If the preacher preaches in error, it's your job to tell me. Right? I want to be saved too. Right? I I may be in error in ignorance. It's your job to tell me. If the elders are not doing what's right, it's your job. It's our job to police each other. Help each other to get to heaven. See, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about abiding by the living word of God. Anyone can be deceived, brethren. Anyone can, can make a mistake. All of us do. None of us are perfect. We desperately need each other, right? We're a family. and We got to talk to each other like a family, love each other as a family, hold hands and go to heaven to be with God forever as a family. Families work together and that's what we're supposed to do. So we're never supposed to act from God's Word and we're never supposed to take away from God's Word, but we're always supposed to allow the Word of God to be the standard, right? For everything that we do, and everything that we say. If you are not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to God. Con, you know, contact us uh, in any way that you know how. If you are a child of God and you are struggling in your faith, I am telling you, brethren, I, Satan has turned these aisles, this idea of confession and repentance into the aisles of shame. The, the, the same aisles that God calls the aisles of glory. When you come to the elders because you're asking for prayers or, or the, the congregation or individual members or you go to someone to ask for forgiveness and you've turned your life around and turned to God, don't let Satan shame you into not confessing or admitting that you made a mistake. Don't let Satan do that. If there's something you need to repent of, please make that known. If you are not a child of God, don't let Satan shame you into believing that you ought not go up there and admit that you're not saved. Surrender to Christ Jesus today. The lesson is yours. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for your time.